Hello, welcome to this latest podcast from the Herbert Smith Freehills Pensions Team. This is part of our soundbite series on the Pension Schemes Act. Today we're going to be examining the impact of the new criminal sanctions and regulatory powers on directors' duties, particularly in the context of distressed M&A. And I'm joined today by John Whiteoak, who's head of our restructuring and insolvency team. Thanks for joining me, John. Hello, Tim. Um, before we turn to John and get his views on the Act, just a reminder about the new provisions uh, that are contained in the legislation. The Pension Schemes Act introduces a, a number of new offences and regulatory sanctions, essentially aimed at deviant directors and also other parties who fail to take account of a defined benefit pension scheme when making decisions. The two key new criminal offences that directors and other parties need to be aware of is that they can be prosecuted if they take action or engage in a course of conduct that detrimentally affects in a material way the likelihood of benefits being received from a defined benefit scheme or take action or engage in a course of conduct that prevent the recovery of the whole or part of an employer debt to the scheme. The regulator also has the power to issue a million pound civil fine in those circumstances and it's also been given extended powers to issue contribution notices. Now we cover those new powers in more details in a separate podcast and today we're going to be focusing on the impact of those particularly in the context of distressed M&A. So John can I just ask you your initial views on how you think these new offences and sanctions impact directors duties in the context particularly of, of distress scenarios? Thanks, Tim. First, I would say that, that these new legislation, uh, this new legislation has to be seen in a broader context, and that is a context in which, through various means and acts, you know, directors, uh, both non-executive and executive, are under increasing scrutiny and personal liability for the acts that they, they take. It's not only the Pension Schemes Act, it's also the approach that regulators are taking to more recent insolvencies. There is current consultation the government is looking at in relation to liability, personal liability of directors for mistakes in relation to the accounts. All of that adds up to quite a difficult moment for directors. Now, the point about distress is that's when the director's duty liability is the most acute. And so for a company with a defined benefit scheme, particularly one in distress, the pension schemes bill, soon to be act, will very much change the way it considers its pension liability. Because in one sense, a pension liability is nothing more than an unsecured debt. It should be treated the same way as other unsecured creditors. And when you're in distress, the interest of directors should be to consider creditors as a whole. But this act forces those directors to take particular account in relation of the defined benefit pension liability. And worse, it makes them personally and at times criminally and civilly liable for doing certain acts which have an effect of reducing the recoverability of the pension scheme. And in a previous podcast, I know Sam Brown has taken through the scope of actually these provisions. But the scope of these provisions, it's not just to pick up, a, as I think you said at the start, a delinquent director. 
it actually covers a vast amount of uh, normal commercial activity, particularly in a distressed situation where a director is seeking to save a company, if any of those acts has the effect of impacting pension recovery, even if that was not the desire, then those directors could find themselves personally liable. So I think that this will very much alter directors' duties. Just a flag, I also think actually as a consequence of this, obtaining significant and comprehensive D&O insurance, directors and officers insurance, is going to get more difficult because it is making being a director more risky, particularly of a company with a defined benefit scheme in deficit. These new powers were introduced in response to some high profile corporate failures, particularly in reference to BHS and and Carillion. What impact do you think they will have on distressed M&A and the scope for restructuring distressed DB sponsors? Well, as was discussed in Sam's podcast, you know, one of the incidents which is creating the most uh, noise in the restructuring world, but also the pension advisory world, is the criminalisation of activities and the fact that advisors, lenders, purchasers are all now potentially within the scope of the criminal and civil liability powers. And again, the actual liability resolves around the effect of an action rather than the desire to bring about that effect. And we, we are very concerned that essentially whether or not someone will be prosecuted will turn on the reasonableness of that decision. And, and the thing about that, if you think about where the M&A activity, and particularly in a distress context, will be happening over the next couple of years, it will be a lot of foreign money coming in to potentially opportunistically seek to purchase and turn around distressed assets. So a lot of those foreign money will not be used to this concept and will potentially be scared off by dealing with purchasing companies which have a defined benefit scheme. And what and what's the effect of that? The effect of that is you, for the benefit of creditors as a whole, decrease the value of a company with a defined benefit scheme because it makes it unattractive for new money or rescue money to come in and try and save a company or save the assets, etc. And the effect of all of this will actually make saving companies that are in distress with a defined benefit scheme is more difficult. The solution, I should say, and I I want to say that because that will be the retort of the pension regulator, is there's nothing to worry about. All you need is to apply for clearance for all your transactions. Well, that is fine. But what it means is much like the competition framework is if you've got a company with a defined benefit scheme and you wish to do a restructuring or a distressed M&A sale that has any form of structuring in it, you need to build into your timeframe regulatory approvals. But again, that is yet another hurdle. And the more hurdles you put in, the more likely you depress the value of the asset or the company, which is being attempted to be saved. Yeah, and last summer, we uh, obviously saw the introduction of some new restructuring tools or mechanisms under the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act, which really introduced a much more debtor-friendly insolvency regime, restructuring regime into the UK. But these offences and sanctions seem to be pulling in the opposite direction. Do you you agree with that? And if so, how do you see the two regimes interacting? 
It's a very good question. I mean, it's interesting. The the whole purpose behind the SEGA provisions was to try and avoid companies going into formal insolvency process, essentially to keep companies in the hands of the directors, both to survive the COVID, but also to try and work out restructuring plans, schemes. The monitorship is all designed to avoid formal insolvency processes, which for good or for evil have been seen as not particularly effective historically at rescuing companies. So on the one hand, it's about empowering directors to continue to trade during a difficult period and to give them you know, various tools to enable creditors to be compromised to ensure companies can be saved. The Pension Schemes Bill is designed to protect the pension interests only and to, as I say, criminalise behaviours and, and actions of directors and, and, and to increase personal liability on directors. It makes it very difficult for a director of a company with a defined benefit scheme that is in a distressed situation to undertake its normal duties to have regard to creditors' interest as a whole and to undertake the sort of analysis required by SEGA in relation to the new tools that are available on the one hand and on the other to meet these very broad obligations in relation to pensioners. What we have said is that essentially, although the government hasn't said it, you need to treat pension debt almost as a special class of super priority debt. It's certainly a class that needs to be dealt with, I think, separately in working out how to structure and to save the company. But again, this is adding more liability and more stress on directors at a very difficult time. And I fear the consequence of this is the directors of a company with a defined benefit scheme that's in distress will try and, instead of saving the company, will default to some of the more formal insolvency processes, merely because of the risk of it remaining in in charge with the competing levers of creditors that are outside the pension creditor uh, putting pressure on it, it trying to work out what new restructuring tool could be used and the pension regulator threatening it with criminal civil, civil liability if it doesn't act, which they do not like. Because one thing that should be noted is that an insolvency practitioner is exempt from the various liability regimes here. So a director could be forgiven for saying, well, why don't I just hand this over to an administrator or even a liquidator and let them deal with trying to save the company. Against all this, again, to give fairness to the pension regulator, they will be saying that they will be issuing guidance and that this will give clarity with no disrespect to the pension regulator. Like many regulators, guidance tends to be relatively broadly cast because they are keen not to essentially allow a way through regulation and they want to reserve their right for the appropriate case. So I'm not convinced that the regulation is going to give the comfort that is perhaps in the market being said that it is going to give, but we will see. And we can come back and do another podcast depending upon what that guidance says. <laughs> and John, just quickly, we're obviously sat here in kind of Q1 of 2021 and insolvencies at the moment seem to be at a relatively low level, certainly when you consider the economic environment that we're all operating in. How do you see the rest of this year and kind of rolling into next year? How do you see that playing out? Well, 
In one sense, although it might seem counterintuitive for there to be no, not a large amount of restructuring insolvencies at the moment, is it is actually entirely explicable. Not least because some elements of Seeger, which we give less attention to, was all about trying to survive the COVID period. The government, to its great credit, has pumped an awful lot of money into businesses, obviously by way of the furlough scheme, but also in relation to low interest short term loans and grants. They have prevented certain bodies of creditors being able to enforce their rights. For example, landlords haven't been able to forfeit your premises. Other creditors haven't been able to issue winding up petitions. So all of that actually makes it not surprising that not much has happened. The other point, which I think is very significant, is until we realise what the future is going to hold with some level of certainty, businesses can't do business plans. Creditors, including pension trustees and regulators, can't look at a company and actually work out, is this company going to actually succeed in the medium to long term? Will this company require some sort of restructuring? Is this company potentially unable to be saved? Those decisions at the moment are very difficult to be made because no one knows what the shape of the recovery is going to look like, or even what the nature of future trading over the next three to six months is going to be. So our view is that, you know, you will see at the end of uh, sort of through Q2, those decisions are having to be made that will correspond with the government probably starting to release some of these pressures and companies are going to have to take a position. But this is very much a medium term, a medium term play that, that we are looking at sort of a Q2, Q3 review. That doesn't mean there's going to be widespread insolvency. But it does mean that companies and creditors and pension trustees are going to have to look at balance sheets of sponsoring employers and the debtors and actually work out what is the long term viability of a lot of these entities. That's great. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining me today. And to those listening, if you would like to listen to the other podcasts in the series, then you can find them on our UK Pensions Regulatory Hub or on our UK Pensions blog. So thanks for joining us, John, and thanks for listening. Thank you.